Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Friday, December 13th, 2019, which means it's Friday the 13th. Spooky, scary stuff. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And before we get into it, I have a formal announcement to make brought to you by ZipRecruiter and Larnell. Here's the deal. So starting Wednesday, we're going to turn some of the midweek podcasts into a mailbag. Just answer a few questions you guys want us to answer. So here's what you need to do. Go to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast page via Apple Podcasts. Give it a five-star rating. Leave a nice comment. And if you want to ask a question, ask it there. Then I'll pick a few out and we'll answer them each Wednesday. Simple stuff. Could not be easier. So, again, CBS Sports Ion College Basketball page via Apple Podcasts. Leave a question there, and perhaps we'll answer it and shout you out during Wednesday's podcast. All right, let's get into it. So, it's been a slow week in the sport, mostly because it's finals week at a lot of schools. But we did have interesting results in the Big Ten on back-to-back nights. On Tuesday night, unranked Penn State beat number 4 Maryland. Then on Wednesday night, unranked Illinois beat number 5 Michigan. And yet, neither result... Technically speaking, was an upset because Penn State and Illinois were both favored at home. And after Illinois beat Michigan, Illinois coach Brad Underwood said, quote, it's just going to be that kind of year. And it certainly appears, at least so far, that he's right. It is going to be that kind of year. Because if you look at the preseason AP poll, six of the schools in the preseason top 10 have lost already to currently unranked schools. It breaks down like this. Number one, Michigan State has a loss to unranked Virginia Tech. Number two, Kentucky has a loss to unranked Evansville. Number four, Duke has a loss to unranked Stephen F. Austin. Number five, Louisville has a loss to unranked Texas Tech. Number six, Florida has a loss to unranked UConn. Number seven, Maryland has a loss to unranked Penn State. And then if you look at the current AP poll, six of those schools, six of the schools currently in the top 10 have Lost to currently unranked schools. It's Louisville, Texas Tech again. Maryland, Penn State again. Number five, Michigan's got a loss to Illinois. Uh, Duke's got that loss to Stephen F. Austin. Kentucky's got that loss to Evansville. And number nine, Virginia has a loss to Purdue. So let's start here, Norlander. Is Brad Underwood right? Is it just going to be that kind of season, a season in which top 10 teams fall to unranked slash inferior opponents on the regular? Um, it certainly is looking that way. It's feeling that way. Uh, we'll get another glimpse of that to, uh, to a certain extent on Saturday uh, when we pick the games later on this podcast episode. Uh, but <laughs> there's a there's a fine uh, thing to be distinguished when it comes to ranked versus unranked and favored or not, because as you mentioned, um, you know, Illinois at home was the betting favorite there. That was not an upset. In fact, on Sportsline, on CBS Sports HQ on Wednesday, uh, when I was asked to, to pick that game in particular, I said, no, Illinois here should be favored. They they at home uh, set up as, as the better team here. I like, them, I like them to win. And that indeed was the case. And not only that, but you even go outside the rankings. I also said Rutgers should have been favored at home over Wisconsin. It goes on to beat Wisconsin, a mercurial Badgers team, by seven points on that same exact night there. So we are in, I think, for a a pretty uh, tumultuous season when it comes to that kind of stuff. I still, you know, despite all that, maintain uh, that we will have a couple of teams that shake out at the top of the rankings that, you know, are better, that look better, you know. Metrics will prove they're better than uh, than a lot of the rest of the group. And as always, even though by the time we get to the tournament, it could be viewed <laughs> it could be viewed as wide open. But really, like for the seventy seventh straight season, you have writers and commenters commentators saying in December this 
the NCAA tournament this year is going to be as wide open as I've ever seen it. Like, this is, happens every single year. That could still be true, but I promise you the teams that are seated first, second, and third are, are going to be demonstrably better than the teams that you see seven, eight, nine line overall. I, I think in theory you're right, um, but I've got some interesting numbers that I'm going to share with you in a moment. First, I want to go back to um, the point you make about uh, unranked versus ranked and then whether a team's favored or an underdog because we did have this not really unique situation but but um, notable situation where you had you know top 10 teams really top five teams on the road as underdogs against um, unranked opponents and so when I made note of this in the top 25 and one some guy people are fired up about everything some guy jumps into my mentions he's like oh, all that shows is that your rankings are stupid or bs or whatever and I said listen maybe the rankings are stupid like there are mornings where I I, I feel the same way but there is nothing um, inherently stupid about a ranked team losing to an unranked team um, on the road. That happens all the time in college basketball. And it doesn't mean that the rankings were out of whack. In other words, I, I bottom line it this way. Maryland and Michigan, you can say they're too high, too low, whatever. That's not the point. Maryland and Michigan are both better than Penn State and Illinois. They just are. And yet they were still under technically like one, two point underdogs on the road. Um, because they were on the road. So like, just because uh, somebody is in underdog on the road doesn't mean they're unworthy of their ranking it just means that road games against quality competition is a difficult thing and uh, that there may not be that big of a gap between the perceived best teams in the country and the ones that are operating just outside of the rankings which brings me to uh, the data I, I looked up this morning just randomly I went and looked at the adjusted efficiency margins um, at the the team that's 10th at Ken Palm right now and mm -hmm. the team that's 30th at Ken Palm right now. Because that's technically top 10 team and unranked team, right? right? I just picked two big round numbers. So number 10 right now at Ken Palm is Virginia. The adjusted efficiency margin is 21.89. Number 30 right now is West Virginia. The adjusted efficiency margin is 16.97. So that's a difference between number 10 and number 30. It's a difference of, of 4.92. Now, without context, that means nothing to nobody. I got you. Here's some context. Last season, in the final Ken Palm standings, the difference between number 10 and number 30 was 8.91. Right now, it's 4.92. Last season, it was 8.91, which is like, you know, four, four points different. And so, put simply, I, I agree that by the time we get to Selection Sunday, you, you, there's going to be a handful of teams that look like real championship contenders and everybody else, maybe if they get lucky, it won't be nearly as, quote, wide open as it appears. But this does seem to be true right now. The best teams in the country right now are not nearly as good as the best teams in the country usually are. Because here's some more numbers to back that up. Last season in the final Kim Palm standings, there were nine teams with an adjusted efficiency margin above 26.43, nine, better than 26.43. Right now, there's only one. It's Ohio State. One compared to nine. The best teams in the country right now are not as good as the best teams in the country usually are most recently last season. Some good stats there, and um, we'll see 
if and when conference play creates a certain level of separation. I expect that we will get more of that as we go along. But to those that believe that is just it's it's more of a cluster. Uh, I certainly think that that's not an inaccurate statement right now. Um, can make for you know certainly a uh, a fun and unpredictable NCAA tournament, but we've got such a long way to go uh, before we get there. For me, in terms of watching, here's in terms of watching the games, I'd be interested to hear from listeners. And if you've got, by the way, if you've got a question or a comment on this, maybe we'll hit on it on next Wednesday's mailbag episode. But when I was at the Jimmy V on Tuesday night. Um, about an hour before the game, uh, Jay Billis comes strolling out to, to you know, get over to, to court side, but he stopped and said hi. And he said, I said, I hope, you know, hope one of these two games is good. He's like, I just hope we get good games, period. I've seen one good game so far this season, Dayton, Kansas. That's been, that's been the only one. I was like, is that a fact? And what I thought he was saying was, because Billis has probably worked, I, he's probably been on the call for like, 16 or 17 games so far this season. So what I thought he was saying was the only good game that he has actually caught in person on the call was Dayton, Kansas in the Maui championship game. But he was like, no, no, no. That's the only good game I've seen this season. Like there has not been a great game of college basketball this season other than Dayton, Kansas. I would reject that. Uh, but the point still stands that, you know, the product overall uh, for college hoops this season I think it's taken a little bit of a hit. There's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, as expected, three-point shooting is down uh, marginally, but it's down just a little bit with the new three-point line out there. There is this new uh, emphasis on getting flopping out of the game, which I think is good, but it's, it is causing a real issue because officials, and I'd say this is uh, just as problematic as what the NFL has had with pass interference um, and reviewing it and overturning that call or not, Officials are now instructed to get it out of the game, and they're having to make judgment calls about players who they think are flopping, but in some instances you've had – first you get a warning, and then after that you get a one-shot uh, foul shot technical foul. And there have been multiple instances I've seen this season where a warning or a second instance has been called for flopping, and you would say, nah, like if you really look at the way that play – like look at the momentum of that play. That's not an actual flop. So I think that's also hurt it as well. And uh, in terms of scoring, uh, weirdly, uh, college basketball on the whole is down. I, I detailed this in not this week's court report, but the previous one, uh, points per game on average for college basketball is actually down this season. And um, I think that has to do maybe a little bit, just a little bit with the new three-point line and some of the officiating stuff. But that has also been an unexpected trend because five, six seasons ago when college basketball was at uh, a complete grind collectively and there was plenty of you know weekly uh, – laments about the issues you know materials materialistically um involving college basketball that's why they changed a lot of the rules to have it more free-flowing more scoring so the sport itself i think is just a, in a little bit of a tight spot but having said that i still have enjoyed i'm always going to enjoy college basketball but i still have enjoyed the season i don't think it's totally dire but because of all those issues Parish, i think that's also why uh, we have more of a clog when it looks when you talk about efficiency margins and why the number 12 team, you know, is probably closer in orbit to the number 34 team than the season before, certainly the season before that. Yeah. And, and I don't know how big of a factor this is to what we're talking about, but it is something at least worth pointing out very briefly. And that's that this season's freshman class it, it wasn't perceived to be as talented as last season's freshman class. And this season's freshman class, the freshmen largely went 
to unusual places. You got two five stars at Washington, two five stars at Memphis. Kentucky and Duke didn't reload to the level that they normally reload. And then two of you know the top ten players in the class that could be in college right now aren't in college. R.J. Hampton and LaMelo Ball. I mean, how good does Kansas look if R.J. Hampton is on that roster right now? How good does – I don't know where LaMelo – he was never going to school. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't but even like, know if he applies. Yeah. If you took LaMelo Ball and put him at, I don't know, some West Coast school, Gonzaga, Arizona, like how good would they – USC even, how good would they look right now? So uh, I think some of that is is maybe a contributing factor just a little bit. But I did think it was interesting um, that the data backs up the perception. I think if you ask people – who follow the sport closely like we do, the perception, just like from an eyeball perspective, would be uh, the best teams in the country aren't that good. Like I, I heard Seth Greenberg on television the other night saying there is no number one team in the country. And like I would, I would quibble like just like there's got to be a number one team in the country. Somebody's got to be number it's one. It's Ohio State. We've talked. We've talked. Yeah, we've it, discussed yeah, this. It, at it, it's yeah, Ohio. But like yeah. if you want to argue that the best teams in the country are more vulnerable than they typically are, the data does seem to make that uh, to, to, to make that case again. Um, last season, there were in the final rankings, um, there were nine teams with adjusted efficiency margins above 26.43. Right now, the only team that is above 26.43 is Ohio State, and Ohio State is actually at 29.31. So they are nearly three points better than anybody else in in, in the country. And I, I guess that's a good place to hit uh, period, new paragraph, and transition into uh, the Big Ten, where Ohio State is a member and the favorite to uh, win an outright conference championship, again, according to the Kimpom projections. As you know, Norlander, the Big 12 has been the nation's top league, according to Kimpom, for six straight seasons. But right now it's not. Right now the Big Ten is number one. The Big 12 is number two. Big East is number three. ACC is number four. The SEC is number five. The Pac-12 is number six, followed by the American, uh, then the A-10, then the West Coast Conference, and the Mountain West rounds out the top ten. The Big Ten right now has four teams in the top ten at Ken Palm, Ohio State, Michigan State, Purdue, and Maryland, and it has nine in the top 40. So four in the top ten, nine in the top 40. Now let me run you through a few of the other leagues. The Big 12 right now only has one in the top ten, five in the top 40. Big East has zero in the top 10, five in the top 40. ACC has three in the top 10, six in the top 40. SEC has one in the top 10, six in the top 40. Pac-12 has zero in the top 10 and only two in the top 40. Again, the Big Ten, four in the top 10, nine in the top 40. So, Norlander, is it is it clear to you? that the Big Ten is indeed the nation's best league right now? It's looking like it. I still think it's a good foot race with the Big 12. Big Ten also has six teams in the top 15 at Torvik. That's Ohio State 1, Purdue 4, Michigan State 6, Maryland 10, Michigan 12, Penn State clocking in at 15 thanks to its most recent win, uh, which was obviously uh, a biggie there over Maryland. So I, I think I think I agree with that. I, I like it as a change-up here. Now, I, last season... Last season, the Big 12 wound up being the best conference in America, but that would have not been the case had Texas Tech not made the Final Four. The Big 10, uh, I remember going into the Final Four or right before at the Elite Eight, the, uh, the Big 10 ranked ahead of the Big 12, and then by function of Texas Tech making the national title game, the Big 12 
just barely um, wound up pushing past it. So that's just to say that the Big Ten this season is good. Last season, it was solid as well. Remember, these teams made the tournament. You had Ohio State as an 11, Minnesota as a 10, Iowa as a 10, then Maryland, Wisconsin, Michigan, Purdue, and Michigan State were all single-digit seeds. Uh, Michigan State was the highest at a 2. Purdue, of course, made the Elite 8 as a 3. Michigan made its deep run. So back-to-back strong consecutive seasons for the Big Ten this season. I think you're looking... Let's do a little uh, harmless projecting out here. Here's who I think is going to get in the tournament. I'll say Ohio State, obviously. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go next level on you, Parrish. Here, I'm gonna go tournament, and I'm gonna blindly guess the seeds. Someone track this and yell at me in mid March when I've completely forgotten about all of it. Ohio State, one seed. Michigan State, two seed. Maryland, three seed. Michigan, four seed. Purdue, five seed. Penn State, seven seed. <laughs> uh, Illinois, I'm at, that's at seven. Uh, Illinois, ten seed. That's seven teams. Iowa, 11 seed. And I'm forgetting Indiana. That's going to be nine teams. And I'll go Indiana... I'm going to go Indiana, a six seed. So those are nine teams that I think are going to get to the tournament out of the Big Ten. Uh, the only one that ranks decently high right now that wouldn't get there would be Wisconsin. They're not even a top 50 team at Ken Palm. So nine teams, which is great and would be a record, I believe, for the Big Ten. It's not an overall record. I don't know if the Big Ten's ever sent nine. So, yeah, it's sitting pretty. Strongest conference in America right now. And we'll be able to keep that up so long as you know Rutgers holds its business at home the you know the bottom doesn't fall out of Nebraska if it hasn't already I guess Minnesota's got to be a little bit better uh keep you know Nebraska Northwestern those kind of teams Rutgers if they can be better than expected then the Big Ten's going to hold on to that it's going to be the best league in America is the record nine no like overall yeah it's 11 Big East Big East got eleven. No, is there? it big? No, the uh, no. In two thousand eleven, the Big East got nine. No, is that right? Hold on, I'm looking right now. I gotta know it. I gotta. We're, we are self trivia timing right now. All right, here it is. What in two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, Big East, Pittsburgh, Notre Dame, Syracuse, Louisville. That's four. Johns is five. West Virginia is six. Cincinnati is seven. Georgetown's eight. UConn's nine. Marquette's ten. Villanova is eleven. I was correct. It is eleven in two thousand eleven for the Big East. Look at you, trivia time in yourself. Oh, was, the rare self-trivia time. Uh, <laughs> that's going to be the new trivia time where you just come on and ask ourselves questions. Okay. Um, oh, how about this? 11 and Pitt was the number one seed. Yeah, I know. How about that? that that's, a, that's a generation ago, man. Pitt was the number one seed and out of all the 11. And um, I want to say that the Big East had – Two teams meet in the second round, which at the time wasn't even part of the protocol, but they had to because there were so many teams that got into uh, the tournament there. So anyway, I've got nine for the Big Ten this season. Do you do you agree with – like, is there anyone that you would disagree with me? Let me just run those down for you one more time. Ohio State, Michigan State, Purdue, Maryland, Michigan, Penn State, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, and I think that's it. Yeah, that, those are the nine. Do you agree that those, all those nine are going to get to the tournament? 
when you were going through it, I was going through it as well, silently, and I had those exact nine. I think if the, certainly if the tournament started right now, those nine would get in. And you know, if it just holds up, I, sure, why not? It's a nine bid league um, with Ohio State at this moment being the number one overall seed. I think those nine are right. Sure, love it, man. Hey, that's you know a little bit a uh, little bit of a different flavor there. And I would also say that it's not just nine getting in. Obviously, Ohio State, but I would put OSU, MSU. I'm still way in on Maryland. I would say those are the three viable national title contenders. I got to see more from Michigan and Purdue and Indiana and those likes to say you're a viable uh, national title contender. But uh, I will say that my opinion of Iowa did jump significantly. Uh, you know, I took the flight out. I'm in Arizona as we record this. Uh, I, so I watched. I in between sweating, having Baltimore defense in my fantasy football semifinals, I watched a lot of Iowa at Iowa State on Thursday night, and I mean, I didn't see that coming remotely. I, that game was so good for Iowa, an 84-68 win at Iowa State, and Iowa State's their their curiosity overall. I don't know what to make of them. I like the personnel, but they're only six and four. Iowa now, because of that eighty four point output, is the number one rated offensive team in college basketball, one fourteen point nine in offensive efficiency. That's big time. Did you see, by the way, I saw it this morning when I woke up. Did you see Jordan Bohannon sign his shoes and leave them? Because <laughs> the game was at Iowa State. So Jordan Bohannon signs his his kicks and just and then you got like media around him taking photos and he just leaves them on the three point line at Hilton. <laughs> I I think it's a boss baller move. I mean, good for you. He only had 12 points, was 2 of 7 from 3 and didn't make a two point field goal and he signed his shoes. I don't Doesn't quite get it, but I also love it. He got the win and so let's look at what he did throughout his career against Iowa State. It looks like he went 3 and 1. In four years against uh, against Iowa State, so good for him. He comes out with a winning record, and yeah, it, it's uh, been a weird past month for Iowa. You're not supposed to lose by 15 at home to DePaul, and then win by 16 at Iowa State within basically the same month span. But but that's what they did. They did it, and credit to the to the Hawkeyes. I didn't. Uh, I'll admit, you know, I didn't think that they would be a tournament level team. But I've changed my tune on that because their three losses are all solid, relatively speaking. Lose to DePaul, which at the time is like, what the F are we doing here? But also lost on a neutral to San Diego State. San Diego State is number one and wins above bubble right now and um, undefeated, only one of five. And San Diego State's like the how good their schedule has been and versus how good they've been. They are a legitimate team. They are the best team in the Mountain West right now over Utah State. And then Michigan at Michigan, a completely understandable loss. Uh, so Iowa gets the win over Texas Tech uh, back in Vegas a few weeks ago as a road win against Syracuse. That's no small thing. Now wins at Iowa State, and that sets up for you know an intriguing game against Cincinnati here on Saturday. Good on the Hawkeyes. I think that's the perfect team. When you want to look at the depth and strength of the Big Ten this season, you look at a team like Iowa, which was more of a moving target heading into the season. It being a, a very strong 8-3 and three is indicative of how good and strong the league is and that just kind of it echoes. I talked a little bit on the previous podcast about stuff that uh, Archie Miller told me after the games on, on Tuesday night. But he did speak to just the outlandish depth and strength overall of the league. And I think that is accurate. That's not just typical coach stuff sticking up for the league. Like when you go into Rutgers this season, yeah, I'm going to inject Rutgers right here, 
Rutgers right now. It, it really is, though, truthfully, like it is not that win that even if coaches wouldn't have publicly said it in the past, it's just not an automatic. And Penn State being quality as well, just the spots that have traditionally been easier to pick up a road win, even if they weren't you know easy on the surface, that's gone. I think if we're speaking completely honestly, the only easy road wins, if you're going to get them this season, are Nebraska and maybe Minnesota. I don't even know if Northwestern is going to be easy because they redid that gym. And that's if they bring fans to the place, that actually is a fairly difficult place to win. So um, the Big Ten's helped itself immensely. I'll close on this. It's rated number one. It's got a lot of good teams. We're almost done with non-conference play. And so then what we're going to have is the league beating up on each, on, on itself, and that's not going to affect where it stands in the conference ratings overall. Um, I think eight is a lock. I'm saying lock for the Big Ten, and then nine is very possible. Um, I talked to Brad Underwood, uh, the Illinois coach, about this exact topic um, at Big Ten Media Day. Uh, how, you know, because he's coached in, you know, he's coached in the Big 12. He's been in, in big, you know, big boy leagues. And he was like, you look around and where, where, where are you supposed to get an easy win? Where can you breathe? Like, he didn't say this. I want to be clear. But, but I said it to him. You know, once upon a time, you go, okay, well, at least we got at Rutgers coming up. Or at least we got at Penn State coming up. Like, okay, we can, not, we can take a breath. And we can knock those out. Now Penn State's, like, they, there ain't nothing easy about going to Penn State. And, 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 and Rutgers, Steve's done a, 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 listen, that's a hard job and it's a long road, but like, he's got Rutgers respectable, which is not an easy thing to do. And Penn state, like, I think you, you assigned him a seven C, which is my favorite thing about the big 10, probably Ohio state being awesome. And on the verge of being number one in the AP poll, if AP voters do the right thing, AP voters, Hey, AP voters, listen to us right now. Go ahead, Parrish. Do the right thing. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help your poll look smart, and I'm trying to help you avoid the poll attacks. Just, just li- you don't have to obey me every time I say do this, but I'm telling you the smart thing to do. Rank Ohio State number one on Monday. Jump Ohio State over Kansas in the AP poll. There is no sensible argument. For having anybody other than Ohio State number one in the AP poll on Monday, as long as Ohio State wins at Minnesota on Sunday, do the right thing. So that's my favorite thing about the Big Ten, that Ohio State is awesome and clearly better at this moment than everybody else. My second favorite thing is that Penn State's on track to be safely in the NCAA tournament. It'd be the first time Pat Chambers has got the Nittany lines there. All right. So this is the Friday of podcast. And our final four and one is ready to go. We're going to pick five games against the spread next. But first, check this out. It's the State of Combat podcast, the Brian Campbell. And while fight season may be on hold for the foreseeable future until Tony Ferguson and Habib Nurmagomedov touch gloves at UFC 249, the SOC is still moving along. Two to three episodes per week to give you that combat fix. What can you expect? The same great interviews with the biggest names in the fight game. Maybe a little bit of a fun oasis from the crazy world around you. Instant reactions to the biggest news stories. It's the SOC. Available on Apple Pods, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere fine audio is found. Tell them BC sent you.
world of golf is on hiatus, but thankfully for you, the First Cut podcast crew is not. Join Mark Immelman, Kyle Porter, Greg Ducharme, and myself, Rick Gaiman, as we keep you informed and entertained through this unprecedented time. No tournament, no problem. We're still coming at you three times a week during these trying times. Tune in as we bring you weekly news, rewatches, interviews, and trivia. What are you waiting for? Come join our group and let's talk golf. Download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else podcasts are found. So at the end of uh, each Friday uh, podcast, we do the final four and one, which is us picking five games against the spread. I select four games. Norlander gets the and one. And we both, by the way, really suck at it because Norlander is 11, 13 and one. I'm 10, 14 and one. So we are terrible. I wouldn't necessarily use our picks unless you want (laughs) to use them as um, uh, as as a reason to go the other direction. But either way, they tell us people like picks. So we're just going to throw out picks. You ready, Norlander? Oh, I am. I am very ready. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I have a suspicion on a couple of games, but I actually love the fact. I don't know where you're going. So let's do this. What do you got? What's game number one? Okay. I have uh, selected four games, all of which include a, at least one ranked opponent. I mean, one, at least one ranked team, and I will deliver them in the order in which they will tip off. So let's start Saturday, noon Eastern, number 10, Oregon, at number five, Michigan. That is on CBS, America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Michigan is a three-point favorite according to the Ken Palm projections. Go, Norlander. Oh, this is... This is Michigan all the way. I think Michigan is so we are we're going to get the benefit here of getting the of getting the Ken Palm projection. I expect Michigan to have a bigger number when this opens. I'll go minus five. Here's the thing: Oregon will not have two pieces that Ducks fans were hopeful it would have. Uh, Shakir Houston is not going to play in this game. Dana Altman announced uh, he's not good to go. And then in Folly Dante, who is now eligible and able to play, he is still getting into the mix. So, bar- listen, actually, you know what? Maybe they're both going to play given the way that coaches have gone about with all this thing. So maybe I should be picking this game under the expectation that both those d- – we're going to turn on CBS at noon Eastern on Saturday, and they're both going to be on the damn floor. But I'm going to go and say that Justin and Dante are not going to play because of that – because I do believe in Michigan, I will ride that minus three at home. Michigan's lost two of its past three, but they've been completely understandable losses at Louisville, at Illinois. Game at home here. They beat Iowa at home a week ago by 12. I'm not sure how much better Oregon is versus Iowa. So, yeah, give me the Wolverines minus three. Shakur Justin is the grad transfer from UNLV. He's averaging 8.8 points and 6.5 rebounds. He's a he's a um, important piece. Missed the last game against Hawaii. He's got a lower leg injury. And Dana Altman didn't just say he's not going to play at Michigan. He said he's not going to be ready for a while, which means nothing. He's starting and will play 32 minutes. Uh, Just uh, he will be the Miles Pal. And who was the other one that just came back? There have been multiple. I mean, it was uh, well, Fonda Baycott. Baycott, but then, like, remember Cassius Stanley? We thought he was going to be out for three weeks. Oh, yeah, and Cassius Stanley was dead. Yes. Then he never missed a game. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. Uh, Miles Powell, uh, Baycott. Uh, coaches have been <laughs> <laughs> predicting players are out a month who play literally, like, the next game. So um, I'm not calling Dana Altman a liar. 
I'm, I am going to, in all seriousness, assume Shakur Houston is not going to play. But just keep in mind, we have heard multiple times this year somebody's out for a while and they're just on the court. So, like, don't be surprised. I'm with you. Um, there's nothing available in terms of uh, stuff that's happened so far this season that that suggests Oregon should should beat Michigan at, at Chrysler Center on Saturday. You know, both these teams were in the battle for Atlantis. They didn't meet each other, right. but they both played North Carolina and Gonzaga. Michigan beat North Carolina and Gonzaga. Oregon lost to North Carolina and Gonzaga. And now Michigan is the home team. So, of course, I'm taking Michigan minus three, which means Oregon probably wins by, by 12. Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern, number 13, Memphis, at number 19, Tennessee. Tennessee, according to the Kim Palm projection, is a six-point favorite. Six points? <sighs> Give me those Tigers. Six Ooh. points. Give me those Tigers. Uh, who still don't have – actually, I'm not up to date on Lester Quinones. He's not playing, right, Parrish? He went to the doctor this week, and the report was, quote, good, but there is no indication that he's going to play. I'm not ruling it out. I'm not <laughs> ruling it out. Uh, when he initially suffered the um, injury, and it's a hand injury on his shooting hand, Penny said it could be – like, Penny said best-case scenario, three weeks. Well – this Saturday is exactly three weeks from the day that it happened, but I have not been told that he's going to play, and I don't think people are operating under the assumption he's going to play. Memphis, by the way, is six and zero right now without James Wiseman. Yeah, three and zero without James Wiseman and Lester Quinones. So, yeah, to your point, Memphis is likely to be without two starters, and yet you're still taking Memphis plus the six. I'm going to take Memphis plus the six. Tennessee has been under the radar good so far this season, uh, but I don't believe when it played VC. So it, it's it's two. Its three biggest games were. Washington on a neutral um, when they played that game in, in Toronto. Uh, sure, fine. Uh, then they played Florida State and VCU um, down at – I mean, I've lo- I lose track of what name all these. That nice, was, nice Emerald Coast Classic. Emerald Coast Classic. There, there we go. Um, I don't think any of those games involved Tennessee-Washington, Tennessee-Florida State, Tennessee-VCU. None of those games involved both teams being ranked. And so it has not had – uh, a game with a profile as high as the one it's going to have here Saturday at home. I do think the Vols are for real. I have Tennessee and Memphis in my latest uh, Hey 19 power rankings. The winner's going to stay there. The loser's going to get the boot next week. I will take Memphis to to lose, but lose close in cover. And, you know, I think they're scheduled to play next season either at Memphis or on a neutral. You're going to know the detail on that. But this is... So long as Rick Barnes is the coach at Tennessee, this is probably the last time that Memphis is going to play in Knoxville, which is obviously a major bummer. Uh, we talked about that before, but it doesn't, you know, I would love if cooler heads could prevail here and they could renew this series in perpetuity. I don't know if that's going to happen. So uh, cherish this for when we have it uh, because we might not get it again literally for 8, 10, 15 years. We don't know the next time Memphis is going to play at Tennessee. I got the Vols winning. I got Memphis covering. So Rick um, earlier this season was asked about the, the series. And you're right. Um, last season's game was at FedEx Forum. This season at Thompson Bowling Arena. Next season, they're going to play in Nashville at Bridgestone Arena. Uh, that's uh, technically going to be a neutral court game. And Nashville really is about in the middle of Knoxville and Memphis. That's the thing I think some people don't realize about Memphis and Knoxville. They're both in the state of Tennessee. They're about six and a half, seven hours away from each other. Like I remember I was talking to uh, Paulo Benchero's father at – 
uh, USA Basketball. And he was explaining to me that they were going to try to double up on their official visits, like take an official to Duke, but then stay two days longer and unofficial to North Carolina. And he was laying out some scenarios and he was like, and he, he knew I was from Memphis and he said, yeah, so well, maybe we take a, a, an, an official to Memphis and then unofficial to Tennessee. And he was like, Hey, how close is Tennessee to Memphis? I was like, not close at all. You're going to have to pick one or the other <laughs> or, or just do both, but you're not like flying into Memphis and then just driving to Knoxville is not a, that's not a fun thing to do. So um, Nashville, the neutral court next season will be roughly in the middle uh, of Knoxville and Memphis. So, Rick was asked about the series earlier this season, and he was like, I don't think we're going to continue it. This week, he was asked again, and he said, we will see. So he softened his stance mm-hmm. a little bit, but the backstory is he and Penny Hardaway like, do not like each other at all. And it's rooted in last year after the game, Penny said that the Tennessee players came at his players with balled-up fists. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I did like. Maybe somebody had their hand closed. Like right now, I'm talking with my hand closed. It doesn't mean I'm preparing to punch somebody. It just means my hand is closed. So maybe Penny saw what he saw and he interpreted the way he interpreted. But like there was nobody else in the building thought the Tennessee players were actually coming to fist fight the Memphis players. Just, <laughs> but Penny said it, and so uh, then we got back to Rick and and yeah. Rick was uh Rick talked about Memphis flopping. He was like, we told our players that they flop, and so we told them to just be prepared for that. So then that got back to Penny, and he was like, we don't teach flopping. <laughs> you know, we, we, I would never do that. And then the famous quote is, as he's walking away from the microphones, he's got all these cameras in front of him, all these mics in front of him, all these reporters. Because every, for reasons that you'll understand given the way Penny speaks, every Penny Hardaway media availability in Memphis is like, 30 deep. I mean, it, 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 they just sent out an email. Penny's going to be available today at 2.30. Everybody shows up it, it, because you never know what he's going to say. He just talks. And yeah. so um, he's being asked about Rick Barnes saying they flop and, and you know, he, about the balled up fist. And and then the, the media availability is over and Penny's walking away from the cameras and taking like this mic off of his shirt. And he's but still on camera, on mic, says Rick Barnes. Get the f- here. <laughs> it was like it was like you. I mean, you've never heard a coach say that before about another coach you know, on camera in front of Mike. So obviously, like th- that relationship is strained. And I was told that um, at some point during a, um, an open period recently, um, they, the, the Tennessee staff was going to see Kennedy Chandler, who's a five-star class of 2021 kid at Briarcrest Christian in Memphis. Point guard, you saw him at USA Basketball. He's now got offers yeah. from Duke. Carolina, Memphis, Tennessee, every, go wherever he wants. He's an incredible young man. And so Tennessee staff was there. And I, either the Memphis staff was always going to be there or the Memphis staff heard Tennessee's going to be there. So they just they just popped into the gym. And I don't know if you've ever been to these things where coaches show up at a high school to just see one particular kid. But it's, it's at least cordial when you see somebody who is also in your profession. Like I remember when Elliot Williams was at St. George's here in town, one day Bruce Pearl – at the time, the coach at Tennessee and Mike Krzyzewski were both there. And Bruce and Mike aren't friends. I don't know that they're enemies, but they're certainly not friends. They have no connection to each other. And yet, you know, they, hey, Bruce, how you doing? Hey, Coach K, it's good to see you. You know, they sit down together. It's cordial. I was told Penny and Rick didn't speak to each other, didn't look at each other, walked past each other at one point, and didn't even acknowledge each other's existence. Like, if you're walking around an arena 
Norlander. Like you're going to be at Arizona tomorrow. If you're walking around the arena and you see somebody you recognize, even if you don't know them well, if you, you're just like, hey, what's up? How you doing? You know, that's just a normal human thing to do. And yet I was told they literally didn't look at each other or talk to each other. So the future of that series is, is up in the air. But like you said, maybe cooler heads will prevail because they both like the series. Penny's on record. I want to continue it. I'm willing to let what happened go. Yeah. But um, but like Rick has still got to be pulled there. But it's a long time off. So they're going to play again in uh, December of 2020, which means you really don't have to get this thing figured out until summer of 2021. You've got that much time, and and hopefully, uh, you know, cooler heads will prevail because it is, it is a fun game. Tennessee, back to the game, thirty-two game winning streak at home, which is currently the longest in the nation. And I thought about this yesterday. Penny Hardaway's been walking into arenas for decades. You know, he was a first-team All NBA guy in the NBA Finals, All-Star games last year as a head coach. On Saturday, this is probably true. He will be booed more severely than he's ever been booed in his life when he walks into Thompson Bowling Arena. They won't just boo, be booing Memphis. They will be booing Penny Hardaway. And that's that's sort of that's going to be a neat scene. I'm looking forward to that scene. Okay, so who the hell is your pick? Uh, I live here, dude. I can't pick against <laughs> Memphis at Tennessee. Are you crazy? Like, I, like, my life's hard enough. I'm not trying to complicate it. Uh, so I do think Tennessee will win the game. Memphis is down two starters, including its best player. Um, I, I think Tennessee wins the game, but I will take Memphis plus the six. So we are in agreement on the first two games. We both got Michigan minus three. We both got Memphis plus six. Game three, Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, number 23, Xavier at Wake Forest. Xavier is minus three. Wake Forest getting three on its home floor. Hmm. This is the uh, this is a Skip Prosser game too. Um, Skip classic. It he is. coached Skip coached seven seasons at Xavier, six seasons at Wake Forest before dying, uh, July twenty six, two thousand seven. Massive heart attack. He was just fifty six years old. Yeah. I'm glad these schools do this. Yes. Because it's a, it's a reminder. If nothing else, it makes you think about Skip, who was an incredibly respected man. It makes you think about him at least once a year, and that's a that's a that's a that, that, that's reason enough to do it. Um, Xavier's three and seven versus the spread this season. Uh, There's such a tempting play here. Uh, this is actually a tricky one. Xavier only one loss. Good team, top thirty in Ken Palm, nine and one overall. Uh, has not yet played a road game this season, which is why I didn't put them higher in the power. They are in the power rankings, but I didn't put them higher than maybe Xavier fans would have wanted. But I did put them there. Wake Forest actually hasn't played a ton of home games. Hey, Wake Forest has only played three home games, five and five overall. It does have the win over Davidson. That's it. Xavier's such a better team, but I'm gonna go against. I'm actually I'm go. I I want to pick Xavier, and I'm going to not do that. I will take Wake Forest to cover the three at home. Give me the fighting Danny Mannings if they're willing to fight. I don't even know if they are or not, but I will take I will take Wake to cover the three. Um. Xavier, I do not have in the top 25 and one. Xavier fans point that out to me uh, to some level uh, every day. And the reason isn't because I don't think Xavier's good. They're nine and one, top 30 at Kimpom. They're clearly good, but there's just not much there in terms of the resume. They got a neutral court loss to Florida. And then, like, the best win is what? Over Cincinnati, a home win over Cincinnati? Like, we don't know how good Cincinnati is. They haven't been very good this season, sitting here at six and three, which includes a loss to Bowling Green. So, 
I think Xavier's good, but they haven't done the types of things that that I usually require teams to do to be ranked, which is avoid um, questionable losses. And I know neutral court Florida is not bad, but it is to a team I don't have ranked. And then they don't have a, a signature win. Again, um, only one top 50 win, according to Kim Palm, and that's over uh, Cincinnati. That's it. Wake Forest is five and five with losses to Boston College and Charlotte. Best win is a win over a surprisingly disappointing Davidson team. So I just don't think Wake's any good, which I hate to say because I know Danny needs to be good, and I like Danny Manning a lot. Like, getting to know Danny was one of the cool things because, like, the the people who were big in my childhood are the ones that still sort of, oh, wow, it's kind of, I'm sitting with Danny Manning right now. He's the number one pick in the 1988 NBA draft. So, like, I root for Danny. I, want, I think he's a good guy, and I think he's a good coach. And I know he needs to be good because he entered on the so-called hot seat. They're just not good. So I'll take, I'll take Xavier minus three. I'm All right. The points. I'm X minus three. Game, All right. Saturday. Four, yep. Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern. Matt Norlander will be in the building. It's number six Gonzaga at number 15 Arizona. Arizona is minus three according to the Kimpom projections. Ah, uh, it's a fascinating. I'm excited for this one. I'm gonna head over to Arizona a little while here. Um, sit down with a few players, check out practice. Uh, excited to see what you know, what Arizona is, what it can be. This is a big game. Um, minus three. Gonzaga's got a, a couple biggies back to back here. They got this one, and then they they bring in North Carolina on Wednesday. Um, viable top ten team right now. Uh, it's not just Tilly. Corey Kispert's been awesome. Uh, Philip Petrusev has been very good. He is, uh, I guess, considered their strongest uh, pro prospect right now overall. Considering Tilly's just a little more unpredictable. Joel Ayayi. Ayayi, he is shooting 39% from three and has been terrific. I like Gonzaga's chances here. I'm going to, oh, man, three is a tough number. I will take Arizona to win, but Gonzaga to cover. So I'm thinking it'll be along the lines of like a 79-77 Arizona home win. Arizona obviously lost last week with home court advantage in a road game against Baylor. It's the only loss. Uh, the only other teams that Arizona's played that have been even in the relative stratosphere of Gonzaga was Illinois and Illinois. That's it. Illinois and Baylor. That's it. So, obviously a huge, huge jump up because of this. And uh, to give you an indication of how seriously you know Arizona's taking the game, you know it's a home game, but I'm told Arizona... It, it, this is not an uncommon thing, but it's also... it's You don't see programs do it like... All that often, Arizona is going to stay off campus in a hotel the night before the game is, you know, sort of the prep for the Pac-12 season. And it's a serious game. You want all your guys in the same room. It's just, I think, logistically a lot easier. So they're gonna they're gonna take this seriously. Finals are actually starting at Arizona today as we speak. So uh, a lot of stuff, you know, on the kids' minds as as they prep for this one. But I will take uh, I'll take Wildcats to win. But give me Gonzaga plus three. Um. I think a lot of teams actually stay um, off campus night before games, at least some of the big, 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 big boy ones, programs. Yeah. 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 Um, back to Petrusha for a second. He's been terrific. 6'11", sophomore, um, averaging um, 15.8 points and 8.5 rebounds per game. 
Um, only averaged 6.5 and 2.7 last season. He was not on our top list, our list of top 101 players. So good job, Norland. How'd you miss on him? What about you? I trust you to handle this kind of stuff mostly. You I rank to... the teams. You rank the players. Uh, yeah, I I didn't think he'd be. I didn't think he'd be this good. I I thought he'd be all right. I just didn't think he'd be this important to Gonzaga's outfit overall. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess I'll take all of the blame for that. Sure. Um, he's now the leading scorer on a top ten team. Norlander left him off of the preseason top one hundred one players list. Shame, shame, shame. Um. These teams are similar in terms of adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency. I noted when I uh, was going through it, Gonzaga is number six in offense, number 38 in defense. Arizona is number 12 in offense, number 34 in defense. So again, similar, um, you know, just similar in terms of that type of stuff. I'm going to take Arizona minus three. That place is going to be on fire. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just, I, I think I would take Arizona minus three against basically anybody. Um, tomorrow inside the McKell Center. So I'll lay the points, Arizona minus three. That brings us to game number five. Good Saturday on tap. Games that we will not pick that you should just uh, maybe be generally aware of. Alabama at Penn State. That's one of those games where Penn State, prove that you're for real, beat Alabama. You got the game on your home floor. Get that win. Get it done. Duquesne's going to try and stay undefeated uh, by playing against Radford. Um Kansas State versus Mississippi State. Mississippi State is weird and a big letdown. Needs to win that game to keep his season on the straight and narrow. Anthony Edwards will play at Arizona State at 8 o'clock on, on Saturday night. Paris will try and watch that game, but will fail because it's on the Pac-12 network. Keep that in <laughs> Let mind. me stop you there for a second. Did you see Bobby Hurley yesterday? I did not. Oh, it was great. I was flying. So, what, what did he say? Okay, so apparently I, it was off my radar. Arizona State played Prairie View A&M, right? Let me get the exacts on this. Um, Arizona State played Prairie View A&M on Wednesday night, and they beat them 88-79. And so yesterday is um, the, the next day media availability for Bobby. And he sits down, <laughs> and he, he says, so I went home after last night's win, and watched the uh, replay of the game from the Pac-12 network twice, <laughs> which is just wild. Okay. And, he, and he, he, he was fired up about the announcers. Oh, my gosh. He could not have been angrier. What? Uh, and he, he was just like he didn't think they were being fair, and he didn't think they were being positive. And apparently at one point, like somebody did something, and the announcer says <laughs> that the kid took nine steps. <laughs> And so Bobby says, there's this one play where he says, so-and-so took nine steps. He didn't. He took two. <laughs> and it was, I was like, what? <laughs> and that was, and I, first off, I love it because I love Bobby. I think he's, I think he's such a fascinating character because he is intense. I, mean, oh, yeah. I, I, I guess it comes through on television. Just trust me, in real life, he is intense. And I, just the, the visual of Bobby Hurley after a win late at night, on a on a Wednesday night, watching a replay of the Pac-12 Network game twice, told, twice, and being pissed off about the announcers so much that he opens the next day press conference about it is the funniest thing in the world to me. Oh man, that's good. Yeah, no, I missed that entirely. And why is he, why is he like not watching the game tape? Like he's just like, I'm gonna caught this on. 
God, this on my I DVR. Think hear, I think he genuinely wants to hear what the announcers are saying. I think he cares, like what what's being said and why it's being said and how it's being said. Um, yeah, yeah, I just think he's wired that way. It would be the equivalent of like me sitting down to do this podcast and going, hey, you know, Leaky Black and Camel Fighting. And before we get into it, I just want to say, I went back and listened to the last podcast twice, and then there was this one person on Twitter who tweeted something, and then I was just fired up about it and spent seven minutes on it. Like, that's essentially what he did. I have found, hold on, I have found the video. I think I can play this, and listeners can can hear it as well. So hold on, if I can't, we're just going to edit this out. But I'm going to, it's a, it's a minute 50, so hold on, I'm going to play it. Two additional times, and and I tend to leave the volume on and listen to to what's being said about the game. And um, I, I thought that it was uh, it, it was poorly done by uh, by the telecast. Um, there were a lot of uh, sheer negativity being said about the game, and and I think two teams that were competing very hard. Um, you know, there were a lot of free throws shot in the game, which which made it you know a difficult game to navigate through, but. I have a job to coach the game, and and the people doing the game have a, a, a job of presenting the game, and uh, and talking about it, talking about student athletes uh, and the game itself in the most positive way. I think there was one point that uh, it was said that Jalen House took eight steps to the basket. Um, uh, he didn't. He actually took two. Um, I think there was another time that, that Alonzo Verge was called for a travel and. Uh, by by the telecast and and his foot was was clearly planted on the floor, so uh, disappointing to to uh, to to see that um, again, uh, you know, from the Pac-12 network. Um, and just to be fair, you know, Prairie View A&M plays as hard as as any team, and I, and I said that going into the game, I, I was very complimentary to them after the game. But the facts are the facts coming into the game. They. They ranked 15th nationally in fouls per game. Um, so this isn't like an anomaly that, that they fouled us a lot. And, uh, and we went to the free throw line 51 times. Um, and consequently, the way the game was played, we, you know, we put them on the free throw line 33 times. All right, so Bobby, all right, I'll dial, dial you back there. Okay, so there you go. So there you go. <laughs> I just love that he, he 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 had clearly been thinking about that all day and could not wait to get in front of those mics and and express his frustration, which again I love. I'm a Bobby Hurley fan for life. Uh, yeah, and that's actually I like and don't like that because you know you're a Pac-12 network, so you got to support all the programs. But there has to be a certain level uh, or a certain amount of space to be uh, to be critical. <laughs> he actually took two. He actually took two. Um, <laughs> But anyway, so we're not gonna pick. We're not gonna pick the Georgia Arizona State game. Uh, but a fun little uh, venture out there. Um, I debated between BYU at Utah State, which is an intriguing game, eight o'clock on Saturday night. But I'm actually gonna pick because we haven't talked about them yet on the podcast much this season. Oklahoma is gonna travel to play against Wichita State. It's not at uh, the Roundhouse. It's at the arena that hosts NCAA tournament games, Interest Arena in Wichita. In Wichita. So the Shockers are 8-1, only loss, came to West Virginia at the end of November. 
They've been solid. The defense is back. They've been a strong team overall. I like them a lot. I think they're going to go to the tournament. I think they've got a chance actually to compete um, with Memphis for the league title in the American. Now, Oklahoma is 7-1. and one, And I want to give Long Kruger credit here for something because you don't see coaches do this all that much. In fact, I, I don't even know. who You wouldn't have the time to be able to research this. I just don't think that this has happened more than five or six times max in the past decade, maybe the past 15 years at the power conference level. Oklahoma right now is in the midst of a three-game road stretch in non-conference play. First of all, you don't get power conference teams, many of them playing three road games out of league in the non-con period. Oklahoma and Long Kruger not only have decided to play three straight non-con road games, also have decided to do it in the midst of finals. It's a daring move. Credit to Long Kruger. I don't know if sometimes when you get stuff like this, you know, the story behind the story is, well, we had this game and we had to bail on it. And we got this and we had to squeeze him in. Um, I don't know if this was intentional. or not. I lean to believe that it wasn't intentional, but regardless, credit for to, to Kruger for not being afraid with a team that was like no sure thing to be a top 40 team coming into the season. Nevertheless, Oklahoma 7-1. and one, It just escaped from North Texas more than a week ago with a two-point win. Now it's got at Wichita State, and then we'll turn around on Tuesday and play at Creighton. So this is the middle of two. Um, Oklahoma at Wichita State on Saturday. Wichita State minus three. Who are you taking? I'll take Wichita State minus three. Um, I, Lon's done a good job with this team. Surprise, surprise. He's one of the best coaches in the country. But, um, yeah, like Wichita State, I know it's not at home, but it is in Wichita, and that's enough for me to to lay three points. With the Wichita State team that I think is good, uh, going to be a factor at the top of the AAC and and going to be back in, in, in the NCAA tournament. One thing on Oklahoma, the lone loss is to Stanford. Stanford is quietly pretty good. Um, the, the, you know, the borderline top 50 at Ken Palm and they don't have like uh, a big signature victory, but they do have a 19 point win over this Oklahoma team. And the lone loss is a one point neutral court loss to a nationally ranked Butler team. They are one, a one point game a, uh, against Butler away from being nine and oh right now with wins over Oklahoma and Butler. Like st- that is the difference between Stanford being nationally ranked right now yes. and Stanford being off everybody's radar right now. A one point loss on a neutral court to Butler. I agree. Okay, so you're going to take the Shockers minus the three. Correct. So am I. So unfortunately, uh, we agree. Well, I guess not. Unfortunately, we agree, we agree on three of them. We've both got Shocks minus three. We've got Memphis plus six. We've got Michigan minus three, and then we disagree. I'm going to take the Zags to cover the three. You've got Zona. I'm going to take Wake to cover the three. You've got Xavier. That is your final four and one, and we will be back just so you know. Sunday, you'll have your episode in time for Sunday night. I'm traveling back Sunday from Arizona. I'll land. We'll talk about, obviously, whatever happens here. Elsewhere around the nation on Saturday. Saturday's the big day. Sunday's got a few games, but Saturday, but... Uh, Definitely, you want to you want to carve out time. There's there's just a, there's a lot of good stuff going on, and uh, we'll have it all ready for you on the Sunday podcast. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. F. and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. Please go subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcast. Thank you to everybody who's done it. If you haven't done it, go do it. Rate it favorably, five stars. Leave a nice comment, and we will talk to you again on Sunday. Till then, take care. The world.
world of golf is on hiatus, but thankfully for you, the First Cut podcast crew is not. Join Mark Immelman, Kyle Porter, Greg Ducharme, and myself, Rick Gaiman, as we keep you informed and entertained through this unprecedented time. No tournament, no problem. We're still coming at you three times a week during these trying times. Tune in as we bring you weekly news, rewatches, interviews, and trivia. What are you waiting for? Come join our group and let's talk golf. Download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else podcasts are found.